After the Great War, the survivors of Appalachia formed the factions which would struggle to rebuild, defend, or pillage. The Enclave plotted to finish the war with China from its bunker below the White Spring, while the Free Staters looked forward to a future without government interference. The Responders, a group of police, firefighters, doctors, and citizen volunteers, banded together to help those in need and bring order from chaos and rebuild Appalachia. David Thorpe and his raider gangs became the scourge of the region, taking what they wanted from whomever they wanted, building a kingdom for themselves in the Savage Divide. And Taggarty's Thunder joined the Brotherhood of Steel to find and safeguard technology for the future. None of them were prepared for what came next. This special Fallout 76 Modus Files podcast miniseries will follow each of these factions in their final days and hours and reveal the stories of The Last Days of Appalachia. David Thorpe, once a cutthroat corporate executive, became the raider king of post-war Appalachia, fashioning a group of wealthy tourists into the vicious raider gangs which terrorized the survivors of the region. The cutthroats, diehards, trappers, gourmands, and Blackwater bandits all pledged fealty to their leader, and he ruled them with an iron fist. From top of the world, David Thorpe was a master of all he could survey. Then came the Scorched Plague. This wasn't an enemy that he could outthink, outfight, or outrun. And now an infected king stumbles through his ruined kingdom and wonders where it all went wrong. Relive the final hours of the Raiders of Appalachia in the Fallout 76 miniseries episode, Last Days of Appalachia, A Walk with Ozymandias. I met a traveler from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. trip to D.C. this month. The kids miss you. I miss you. You really need to spend more time at home. Ah, honey, you know these gov types. They want to see our pretty faces before signing those big contracts. And I promise, we'll talk when I get back. Hmm. It's just so hard. It's like you never really hear, David. We even missed Chloe's recital last week. You need to make it up to her. Okay, okay. Why don't you tell her I'll get her one of those giddy-up buttercups? I hear it's all the rage with the kids these days. I think she'd rather just have her father around, David. Money can't buy everything. You killed them. What the hell do you think you're doing, Thorpe? 
Fuck him, Maji. You all asked for help before, and what do they say? No, if I remember correctly. You don't negotiate. We take what we want from now on. They say Rosalind is dead, boss. Caught her and the guys raiding Charleston. And they killed her. What do we do, boss? We still got those nukes the Blackheart stole from those tinhead morons, right? Yeah, boss. But... Fuck them. Take the crew and get your ass to Charleston. And then what, boss? You blow that fucking dam straight to hell. I want them to never forget who they fucked with. You did good, Brody. Looks like it's just about finished. Where did she say she'd meet you? Seneca rocks, boss. Said she'd take care of her mom, then we'd head up there. Good, good. Quite the little she-devil. Vicious, smart, and ambitious. Too bad, really. I mean, who'd trust someone who'd turn on their own family? What are you saying, boss? No loose ends, boy. Last test. When it's over, you take her out. You and I talk. You've got a bright future, Brody. Don't screw it up. Understand. I gotta get this uplink installed. The Scorched are coming and we've got to stop them! Goddamn responders in your high and mighty ideals. Don't you ever get tired of getting your ass kicked? Oh, can I play with him, David? Pretty, pretty, please? Rose, you'll get your chance. First, seems like this uplink thing is pretty important. Probably worth a king's ransom the way this idiot is talking about it. You can't do this, Thorpe. You're putting all of Appalachia, all of us, at risk. Did I ask you a question or say you could talk? Shut up, Responder, or I'll let Rose here sew that mouth of yours shut. Nah, you'll stay here and I'll keep this toy until the Responders and those Free States morons pay up. This is going to cost them. Big time. David Thorpe hadn't realized he'd fallen asleep. He found himself down the road from top of the world. He put his hand up in front of his eyes. The sun seemed overly bright and hurt. Blinking several times, the world slowly came into focus. He could see columns of smoke coming from the old ski lodge behind him. David tried to remember why that was important, or why he should care. But his head was all fuzzy and full of images and words that weren't his. Get up, David. He blinked again before turning to find the source of the voice calling to him, but the road was empty, except for the bodies. At first they looked like dark smudges on the asphalt, but the longer he looked, they slowly morphed into corpses, all dressed in studded leather and metal armor. He slowly got himself up, wincing as his arms and legs just didn't feel right, not moving like they were supposed to. 
Where are you going, David? He turned again, nearly tripping over his own feet. Who's there? His call was met by the silence of the divide, broken only by the breeze as it rustled the dead or dying branches of the few trees lining the road. David stumbled forward, concentrating on putting one foot in front of the other. Where was he going? He thought he needed to be somewhere, or be doing something important. Seeing something out of the corner of his eye, he stopped and looked. Was that Rita? His wife looked sad, standing by the side of the road. She had a suitcase in her hand, like she was waiting for someone. The face of a small child peered from behind her back, full of sadness with tears streaking her dirty face. He lifted his arm and tried to call out to them, but they were gone between blinks, leaving him once again alone on the road. A part of him knew Rita was dead. His children were dead. And he put another foot in front of the other to carry onward. David, you don't look so good. He recognized that voice. It was, yeah, that bitch Margie. David looked around. Fuck you, Margie. Tried to tell you, Thor. Of course, it had to be Harlan, too. He should have killed them both when he had the chance. What the hell were they doing here? Something clicked in his mind, pulling his feet forward again, and the voices receded into the back of his mind, joining the jumble of other voices and pictures of his past. The Raider King continued his trek down the empty road, feeling like he was burning up inside. He caught sight of his arm, which seemed to be covered in some kind of dirt. David tried to brush it off, only to wince in pain when he did. His skin was hard and slowly turning black. He tried to remember if he'd gotten burned or hurt somehow, but he couldn't latch onto the memories. As he tried, they just floated out of reach. Aw, oh, baby! You going all soft on me now? <laughs> you know I love you. Hey, you wanna hit the slopes? Or do you maybe have something else in mind? David cast his eyes down the road and it felt like a cloud had parted. Rose, honey? He saw a vision of his love, his last love, dancing and twirling, wearing that funny old ski cap she borrowed from the ski lodge Protectron on their first trip up to Pleasant Valley all those years ago. He heard her laugh, and between blinks she became the Raider Queen, his wild, chem-soaked partner in crime. He tried to smile, but the size of his face cracked with the effort and he gasped in pain, while the vision continued to dance across his eyes. Why'd you stuff me in this old bot, David Baby? Now he was staring at an old nanny bot, the one he'd programmed after Rosalind died. He'd learned a thing or two from those nights playing poker with Robert House at the Lucky 38 in Las Vegas, and he couldn't live without Rose, even if she was just a machine now. Good thing the gangs never knew how soft you really were, David. I mean, a shrine? To me? Really? Shrine? He blinked again and looked around. Yeah, here he was, that place near West Tech. He knew the gangs would never set foot near it, not after the super mutants ate the trappers. But fuck those guys. They had it coming, didn't they? In his daze, David tripped and fell to his hands, cutting them on the gravel. Looking down at them, even the blood looked wrong, but he didn't know exactly why. There were other voices calling for him, telling him to get up, to get moving. He crawled over to the makeshift memorial he'd made for Rose, for Rosalind. He'd left something here. A tape, right? 
everything he told Rose that he should have told Rosalind, but never got the chance. David's head was pounding and he just needed to rest for a minute. Then he'd get up and go. He sat down with his back against the shrine, trying to catch his breath and trying to make the voices make sense again. Can't find the gourmands, boss. They just up and vanished. Fuck them two. Probably ate each other. No one's heard from Lang or her boys. Want to send someone to the mine to check it out? Got what we want from them. They come around. That's fine. If not, well, we don't need them anyway. Boss, we've been hearing about some weird shit coming up from the south out of Watoga. Like big flying things and people getting real sick. Not our problem, Brody. If it ain't cutthroat business, I don't want to hear about it. Then the lights started going out. That's about as much as he could remember. A few guys tried to run. David had Brody execute them down outside the station as a warning to the others. Brody tried to warn him. Maybe? It happened so fast. The sounds of wings in the night. Then the hissing and the fighting down around the cabins. Something big had flown over them and his skin started itching. Brody ran? Died? He vaguely remembered the pipe pistol in his hand and Brody yelling. Then those things came. Yellow eyes, hissing at them, rolling over his men like they weren't even there. Get up, David! He must have drifted off again, because it was dark when he opened his eyes. Rose? You need to go, David. They're waiting for you. Go where? Just follow the voices, David. Struggling to his feet, he saw that his arms were covered with glowing green veins. David knew that was wrong, but he couldn't remember why. Walking away from the shrine, he was back on the road. Up ahead, he could see others, figures glowing in the distance. Their eyes reflected yellow in the moonlight. As they approached, David could hear their voices. What had once been a low hiss and unintelligible words was now a command. felt the pull of it, the need to move and keep moving. The group of hissing creatures marched by and David took a step forward after them. The memories of the past were subsumed by the command to move. Everything that was once David Thorpe, corporate executive, then Raider King of Appalachia, was gone, except one word, one vision. The burnt husk of a man turned south, away from the shambling horde, and cried into the wind. Where's Rose? How does the song Country Roads begin? Almost heaven, West Virginia, right? A lot has changed in Appalachia since the Scorch Plague, and it is far from heaven now. Far from Heaven, a Fallout 76 story, is a rich and immersive audio drama based upon the popular video game. With strong storytelling and fascinating characters from across many familiar factions, Far From Heaven is a podcast fans of the video game will love. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, 
Amazon, and many other great podcasting platforms. Far From Heaven, a Fallout 76 story, available now. Thank you for joining us for our third episode of The Last Days of Appalachia. If you've enjoyed this content, please subscribe. And better yet, please leave a review to help others find us. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Modus Files, for more information about this miniseries and our main podcast, The Modus Files. I'd like to thank our cast, Aaron Rogers as David Thorpe and Brody, Maria Cheshire as Rose and Rosalind, Cherry Pixel as Rita, Firewriter as Margie, Rob Cunningham as Madigan, XO1 King as The Raider, and introducing Brad Williams as The Poetic Narrator. Credit for the poem, Ozymandias, written by Pierce Bish Shelley. We'd also like to thank Harry Skingle for providing the cover art for this miniseries. And a shout out to the Apocalyptic Aristocracy Discord, home to a great group of fellow creators, the Robots Radio Podcast Community, and the rest of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, and Jeremiah Johnson, our favorite character artist, who provided the wonderful character artwork you can find on our website. And lastly, thank you to all of our subscribers and supporters. We look forward to seeing you all again for our next episode in this series, Last Stand at Point Pleasant.